Welcome to the Marketplace Movement Podcast, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week is Come Clean 7.5, a more in-depth Bible study of why God forgives us and wants to cleanse us. So as always, please grab a notebook and your Bible and join us in the year of again. Two days. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for being so patient with us. There's a lot, God, that we often want to speed up. We want to speed up your will. We want to speed up your plans. But thank you for being patient with our impatience and allowing us, God, to constantly make mistakes even when you continue to love us. Thank you for being so good and kind. Tonight, God, in the midst of that goodness and kindness, I ask that you grant us with open ears and hearts. Allow us to hear and receive your word in your name. Amen. All right, this is 7.5 of Come Clean. Um, we're ending with this particular portion. I talked about the that last portion of our key text about he is faithful and just to cleanse us. Then first, first John one nine. Y'all don't have to turn there to cleanse us from all righteousness. And we talked on Sunday about three aspects of the Lord's cleansing. Three aspects. The first one was that he wanted to make us clean from the physical stains of dirt. So that's the external. Number two was to be clean by curing or cleansing. That was internal. And then number three was to pronounce clean in a Levitical sense. That was making us ready. So those were the three things that we went through on Sunday. And I made a statement on Sunday that I need to reiterate as I begin today. When we talk about God cleansing us, because again, that text says, you know, if we confess, that's our part. Then it goes into his promise. He's faithful, right? He's just to forgive us and to cleanse. That's his part. That is his promise to us. He promises that in exchange for our obedience. And here's the statement I want to uh, restate to us. It's not a matter of the Lord simply being able to cleanse us. That's not what I want us to really rest on because Oftentimes, we know that God can, but where I really want us to rest is on the fact that the Lord wants to cleanse us. So I want us to move from a maturity perspective from God can do it to God wants to do it. Y'all see the difference there? Because if you rest in God, you can, or even God, you will, that's one level of maturity, but God, you want to is something completely different. It's relational when you start figuring that somebody wants to do something for you. If, 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 if I do something for you because I'm forced, that's not love, right? I'm forced. If I do something for you because I'm afraid that I'll get in trouble if I don't, that's not love. It's love when I want to do it and I don't have to. There is nothing that says that God is obligated to do anything for us whatsoever. He is under no obligation. The only thing that obligates God to do anything for us is his own love for us. 
So I need us to understand when it comes to cleansing us, making us clean externally, internally, making us prepared, the Lord wants to. That's what I really need to restate. Now, now, tonight, go ahead and turn to Isaiah. Because tonight, where I want to take us further in this is even though the Lord wants to do it, he does, he wants to. Thank you, God. I thank you for wanting to cleanse us. The next step of this, where I want to teach tonight, is that we still have a responsibility even with his desire. I'll do it again. God wants to. That's great. God's desire doesn't take away our responsibility. One more time. God's desire doesn't take away our responsibility. Did y'all catch that? It's the blood of Christ that cleanses us. Do we agree? All right. Just because the blood of Christ cleanses, the blood is never forced. God says, okay, I'll clean you up. I'll fix everything wrong with you. You still got to come to me, right? Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you. So we still have to come to the blood of Christ. The blood, we, we, we read it on Sunday about how if the blood of goats can do this, how much more then, right? That's that Hebrews text. How much more then? But you still got to go to the Lord. We still have responsibility. And I think sometimes um, we forget our responsibility. Like, we talk about our responsibility to repent. Got that. We talk about responsibility to love. Got that. But we also have a responsibility to actually go to the Lord a responsibility to make ourselves ready for him to do his work. Does that make sense? So turn to Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And we know in Isaiah chapter 1 that the Lord was pretty frustrated with his people. It's funny because he starts off, we won't read um, the whole chapter, but I, but I would say for you guys to go back and just start at verse 1 in your own private study because he's very frustrated with the rebellion of his people. As a matter of fact, in, in, in my Bible here, the heading of the passage that I'm about to read starting at verse 10 says, God has had enough. That's actually the heading in my Bible. God has had enough. He's frustrated with the people. And, and, and listen, y'all, I never want to be in a verse 10 circumstance. <laughs> Lord, I done, I done had enough. I mean, it's one thing when, when, when somebody says they didn't had enough of you, but Lord, I'm not trying for God to say I didn't had enough, right? And, and so look at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. He seems a little frustrated, doesn't he? <laughs> Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. Stop, 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 stop. I need to slow it down so I make sure we all get it. 
God is literally saying he's had enough of the very things he told him to do. I, I really want y'all to let that settle in. He's the one that told him to bring the blood of bulls. He did that. He's the one that called the solemn assemblies. He instituted it. He literally is sitting there and said, you know all of that stuff I told y'all to do? I'm sick of y'all doing it. And the key to the statement, because at, at, first, at, at first value would be like, now God, how are you mad? And you the one that told us to do it. We didn't make this stuff up. But the key is in the verse that I stopped with. I cannot endure. This is the end of verse 13. I cannot endure iniquity. What's the next word? And, what's the next part? The solemn what? I cannot endure iniquity. Next word. And the solemn assembly. What was God saying? He was like, look, it's not the solemn assembly that I have a problem with. It's not the offering I have a problem with. It's not the blood of bulls and goats that I have a problem with. Because watch this, this is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus. So they didn't have anything else to do to bring atonement. So they were like, well, wait a minute. I mean, it's, it's not like we're continuing to bring blood of bulls and goats and we have Jesus. There is no Jesus during this time. But his problem was, I cannot stand for you to have problems in your heart. Not, not, not things you're struggling with, but sin, iniquity. You have unrighteousness in your heart, and you keep trying to go through spiritual motions without being legitimately spiritual. Did y'all catch that? You, you gave me an offering, but you still, ain't, you still ain't holy. So keep your offering. That's what he's saying. You came to church, but you didn't want to change. So stop coming, because I'm sick of that. This is what he's saying. This is Isaiah 1. You keep coming, and you have absolutely no desire to get right with me. You have iniquity in your heart, but you keep trying to do spiritual things as if I'm going to be moved by your actions when your heart is not right. I cannot handle, this is what he says, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. Verse 14, I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feast. They have become a burden to me. Key in that verse, have become, which means they weren't always. Are y'all following how? So God is literally showing us a part of his character. He didn't immediately start off mad. He's grown weary with this. I plead, I, I, I plead with you guys to see this about God. He grew weary. Many of us in this room, just because God hasn't got you yet, don't mean that God is not bothered by your behaviors. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? There are many people who turn their back on God and think that because the, the, the punishment isn't swift, that somehow God is pleased. But God, thank God for grace and mercy. He has grown weary. He says that those festivals have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So, verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Oh, Lord. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I need the Lord to hear me when I pray. I'll hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. And he says, why? Your hands are covered with blood. And, and, and really what God was saying is the condition of your heart has disqualified you 
That's what God is saying to them. The condition of your heart has disqualified you. Pray all you want to. I don't want to hear it. I told, I told the saints the other day, I, I was at the BMV, and there was a lady who was, she was going off. Ooh, she was at the BMV downtown. She was at the downtown BMV. This is the wrong BMV to go off at. She's at the downtown county building BMV, and she is losing it. Y'all hear me? She done got the yelling and cussing and going in, and, and the, the sheriff officer walked up. He was very calm. And the, the more the lady yelled, because, I mean, the sheriff just lived in that building. So the more the lady yelled, the quieter he got. And he kept getting real quiet. Ma'am, ma'am, calm your voice. I mean, he's almost whispering. Come on, ma'am. He's really trying to get, and she's yelling and, you know, ruffling her papers. I mean, she's really feeling herself, ruffling her papers. And so eventually she, you know, in a bit snuffle, she says she's leaving. I am leaving. He says, all right, ma'am, let's walk you on out. And so he's walking with her, and she decides she's going to turn and go off on said cop. She gets to cussing the cop out, and he says, ma'am, I'm going to have to take you to jail. <laughs> That's what he told her. I'm going to have to take you to jail. I'm going to need you to calm this down. He was really trying, y'all. I have to give homeboy credit. He was really trying. I'm going to have to take you to jail. And she kept going, and she kept going, and all of a sudden, it was like a switch. He says, now that's it. And next thing you know, he had that wrist. <laughs> he had that wrist like this, and her, her mood is changing now. Because, you know, he got that wrist, and it's here, and her face has come into swift contact with the elevator door. And this is a problem. This is a problem, because he'd been telling her. He'd been telling her. He'd been, he'd been trying to tell her real calm. He was, he was there, and he was telling her how he disagreed with her actions. But she kept escalating. I, I hope somebody's catching this parallel. And so now her face is against the elevator, and this hand is behind her back. And now his language has changed. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to need you to relax your wrist. Now, ma'am, now, I don't I told you. Now he didn't raise it up. I done told you to relax your wrist. You don't relax your wrist. Now something else gonna happen to you. And so she got that, that wrist relaxed. And when both them hands got in them handcuffs, she went from cussing to, I gotta work tonight. <laughs> That's what she said. I gotta work tonight. Listen to the officer. You should have thought about that. Hmm. Yeah. This is what he said. You should have thought about that when I was telling you to calm down. Ain't gonna be no work tonight for you, ma'am. You going to jail. Mr. Officer, oh, now he's Mr. Officer. <laughs> Mr. Officer, I can't go to jail. You should have thought about that when I was telling you to calm down. See, somebody's gonna catch it. For many of us, in the midst of our sin, God is just like that cop. Come on now, calm down. Come on, come on, get right. Come on, you should forgive. You really should. You should forgive. You should let that go. Mm -hmm. you, should, you should go ahead and do the right thing. Stop that. I'm going to need you to stop. And then we come to Isaiah 1. I'm sick of this. I don't want to hear that part of God. Because now everything changed. And then when God gets to, I'm sick of it, then we start wanting to all of a sudden, I'm going to give a big offering. God was like, you should have thought about that. When I was telling, y'all, y'all. So don't miss... Don't miss, because see, I've heard people break this text by saying, see, God don't need you to be having church. That is not what he said. 
I've heard people break the text. Don't break the text. What the text says is, I have a problem with the heart behind what you did. Right? He says, now pray all you want. Go ahead, pray. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And the reason I'm not listening is because of the condition of your heart. I really want everybody in this room to think about whether or not the condition of their heart lines up with what's coming out of your mouth. Look at verse 16. Here's our key verse here. Wash yourselves. Do y'all see that? Verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Now, I'm going to dig into verse 17 in a minute. But he starts off, we were talking about, you know, he's faithful and just to cleanse us. Old Testament, he said, wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Remember, his blood is available, but I still got to go to it. Please don't miss what I'm saying here. Blood is available. You still got to go to it. Just because the Lord can cleanse doesn't mean he forces you to be clean. Here, he says, wash yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you what we got to wash ourselves with, but please understand, I got to go to it. I have to, I have to, go, I have to go to it. Just because something's available doesn't mean that we have taken advantage of what's available. And many of us are in the position that we're in, not because God doesn't want to, not because God can't, but you haven't gone to what God has available. Amen? So, so again, wash yourself, make yourself clean. Now, I want you to notice verse 17. I'm going to read it, and then we'll break it down. Learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Y'all see that? Learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. So in verse 16, wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove the evil deeds from your sight, cease, like stop, like don't wean off, quit, like cease, like don't do it no more. Boom. Cut and dry. This whole concept of I'm getting better, I'm getting better, Bishop. Stop. I, I can't stop. You started. Really think about what I just said. I can't stop. I, you started. At some point, you started. So the same determination it took for you to start, stop. Let's use something as simple as a cigarette. I never forget the first time I picked up a cigarette. Never forget it. It just looked cool. It did. My dad's, my dad's really good friend. He used to, you know, work on cars and smoke on a cigarette. It's just, it, was, it just looked magical to me. And my mama had a friend, and she had them real long, and they was dark brown. It just looked magical. And then all of the people, you know, like, you know, the, the really people who were strong in the movies, they used to have them real short ones that never seemed to go out. They'd be real short, and it'd be right over here in the corner, and they just seemed tough to me. It just never went out. Like, how does that cigarette stay lit the whole movie? The whole movie, that, that cigarette. So, you know, that's how kids play. You know, you, you, and then James Bond, he had one, and I loved all the James Bond movies. And so one day, you know, my, my daddy's friend working on a car and left me outside and left the cigarette right there. I went, oh, chance. <laughs> Looked around real quick, grabbed that damn cigarette, Oh, yes. 
Oh, have a faith. Just, just right. Just right. Just right. Oh, I about died. Oh, when I tell y'all, death was swift. I mean, I felt like my whole lungs was just going to fall out. I mean, it was terrible. Because watch, when you start, your body immediately rejects that behavior. After you've done it, all of a sudden your body starts telling you you need it. That's the way sin is. The first time you sin, the Spirit of God rejects the behavior. It tries its best to tell you that this is not for you. The more you do it, the more comfortable it gets. Here's the thing, same way with a cigarette. You can tell yourself all you want to that you want to stop. Then your body will tell you you need it. You'll actually crave the thing that you never needed. Amen? So, cease. Now, now, three things here. After they get clean, after they cease, God tells them three things. Number one, they are instructed to learn to do good. I love that. In verse 16, cease to do evil. By the time he gets to verse 17, I got, I got some instructions for you. Number one, learn to do good. Because watch this, write this down. Learning is blocked when you are not clean. Learning is blocked when you are not clean. When you have not, notice he doesn't put the learning before the washing. Wash yourself, make yourself clean, right? He tells them to cease to do evil. Then he says, all right, now you can learn something. Okay, you want some backup scripture? Two or three witnesses. Watch. Watch. When, when David went through the creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, right? By the time he gets done with that, he says, then I will. After I get myself together, I ain't going to do nothing, right? Watch. Peter, when he tells him, um, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Don't be trying to strengthen your brethren without the conversion. So, when your heart's not right, people of God, learning is blocked. And I would like to say this, especially to my teachers who are in the room, don't get frustrated with people who don't seem to be getting the instruction you're giving them because maybe you're trying to instruct somebody without making them ready for the instruction itself. Oh, boy. Because if your heart's not right, Good information cannot be absorbed. I don't care how anointed it is, you need to utilize the anointing to break the yoke before you pour in, right? What's the scripture say? You cannot put new wine into an old wine skin. Why? Because as the new wine ferments and expands, the old wine skin has already expanded and it will burst. So, when you began to try to put new wine or new instruction or new revelation into a vessel that has not been renovated, you're actually asking to destroy the vessel because it cannot handle the revelation. Amen. So he says, wash yourself, make yourself clean. Good. Now we can do some learning. And I, I would say this to, to, to many of us in this room. If you, if you feel like you're having trouble getting that thing comprehended, you might want to be honest with yourself. What's the condition of my heart? I'm not even saying you're not hungry for knowledge because, watch this, uncleanness anywhere can block reception of information everywhere. So just because you want to be better 
but you won't talk to your sister. Oh, y'all. I ain't talking to her. She knows she's crazy. Well, hold on. You're actually blocking the reception of revelation in your life because your heart is not clean over there. Does that make sense? Amen? If you show yourself to be a bad steward, watch this, watch this. If you got a car payment and you have made every car payment on time, you have never, ever, ever missed a car payment, ever. Matter of fact, you pay it one week early, every payment, right? But you got payments on your wash machine and you pay them 10 days late every time, right? Sometimes you, you pay them even later. I mean, your, your payment arrangements with them ain't good at all. That's the wash machine. Are y'all following me? Car payment, early. Wash machine, late. Pay the car off. You want a new car. You go to get your new car. Sit down with your banker. I would like a new car. Um, excuse me, your credit has dropped. I've always been on time. Well, you are on time with us. But what you've done for us is not the whole picture of what we look at. Y'all still ain't caught it yet. Just because you always paid your car payment on time, we look at how you've handled all of your debt. Y'all, 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 y'all. And so sometimes we go to God and we say, God, I'm hungry for your word. I worship you every day. I do all of this for you. He's like, you do. That's wonderful. But how you act towards other people. I look at the whole picture of who you are. So now when you're asking me for more, I'm looking at everything on your report. Y'all with me? And even though you show up to church every Sunday on time, even though you give and all of that, we, you, we in Isaiah 1. I don't want to hear it because there's iniquity in the heart. Are y'all following me? All right. So they're instructed to learn to do good. And when I, when I talk about learning to do good, listen, guys, if we're unwilling to submit, we're unwilling to grow. If we're unwilling to submit, we're unwilling to grow. Everybody, regardless of where you are in your Christian journey, has to be willing to be under. No vessel can be filled without getting under something that pours. Did y'all catch what I'm saying? If I got a glass over here and a water pitcher over here, in order for this glass to get water in it, it got to get under the pitcher. It can't get next to the pitcher. Sorry, because when the pitcher tips, this glass won't get filled. This is, this is a problem because it messes with our ego. At some point, like, okay, here it is. People can say, man, okay, you, you are the senior pastor. And those terms bother me. You are the senior pastor, and, you know, now I'm going to be the presiding bishop, whatever. But at the end of all of that, I still got to be a student. I still got to serve. And it's very, very dangerous when you feel like you've gotten so high that can't nobody tell you nothing. It's very, it's very, very dangerous. So you, you got to be able to learn to do good. Because when you get in your own thoughts, you can tell yourself that you are good. Scripture, there is a way that seems right unto man. That's what the Bible said. The end thereof, destruction. All right, number two, seek justice. So number one was they're instructed to do good. Number two, they're told to seek justice. 
So the first thing is about submission and learning. The second thing is about a change of focus. Change of focus. And that's important because, because many of our focus is way off. Like, change, change your focus. I'm not going to ask y'all to tell me. I'm not going to ask for a, for a show of hands, but I really want you to be honest with yourself. Am I focused on fixing my own problem? Hear what I just said. He didn't say, seek your deliverance. He said, seek justice. In other words, I want you to be focused on the right thing. When I wrote this note, this thing really stuck out to me because many of us are focused on the comfortable thing, not the right thing. What is right is not always what is comfortable. Y'all see what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah, but if I do that, then they gonna get away. Y'all missed it. I told you to seek justice. I didn't tell you to seek vengeance. I didn't tell you to seek comfort. I didn't tell you to seek payback. I didn't even tell you to seek answers. I told you to seek what's right. But here's the reality. I know in my own life, I've come to grips with, there have been times in my life, maybe this ain't you, there have been times in my life where I wasn't after justice. I was after comfort. I want to feel better. Whatever's going to make this pain go away. Remember what I taught on pain? Pain does two things. It asks the question why, and it seeks comfort. That's it. It's the only thing pain does. Pain, why did this happen to me? Pain, how do I make the pain stop? That's it. It's all pain cares about. It seeks comfort. It asks the question why. And depending upon what stage of pain you're in, both of those things can be very tumultuous. Think about it. I have some, some nurses, some people who worked in the medical field. Get somebody out of surgery and that pain get good. They're not thinking about the side effects of that morphine drip at that time. They go, this hurt, drip, come on, come on, come on. And they just pushing that button. They don't, nobody cares. Now that doctor done told them all, oh, listen, you want to make sure that you're not doing too much of this. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Because do you know how bad this hurt? Do you think that I am thinking about the up? Right now, all I'm thinking about is make the pain stop. How many times can I push this button? We got, we got them on a morphine button. Cool. Because they're not thinking about, hey, this is addictive. Hey, this could cause this. Hey, this can cause this. You do know if you get too much of this in your system, you know, your system kind of stops doing what it's supposed to do. And this is just not a good thing. This ain't, ain't quite what you want. Whatever. Is it going to make this pain stop? Think about how many times we do things to make it stop that have absolute side effects that'll hurt us down the road. So when he talks about what we seek after we learn, seek justice, seek right. Seek right. All right, number three. Does that make sense? So number one, they're instructed to learn to do good. Number two, they're instructed to seek justice. And then, number three, he tells them three things. Reprove, defend, and plead. Now you get to start dealing with others because you're in the right heart. Y'all see that? Now you get to reprove. See, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Notice that's last. 
don't go to, don't go to checking folk when you ain't right. Like, I need you to learn, seek. Now you get to start dealing with folks. Truth is, some of us have it upside down. We got a whole lot of people who we say that we helping. Like, I'm helping this person. I'm, but, the, but let me tell you from experience, listen, listen. The weight of truly helping people is more than most people want. Okay, y'all. It seems so, it seems glamorous. I try to talk everybody I can out of preaching and pastoring. I'm called to preach. Please don't. I think I want a pastor. <laughs> Not because I don't love it. Everything around me is built for this. Thank you, Jesus. I tell people it is the hardest, most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. I love, I get to do this. I don't feel forced, none of that. Thank you, God. But let me tell you, for everybody who thinks there's glamour in this, you're okay. And, and what happens, watch, those who feel that there's glamour in it reverse these three. They want to they wanna do the, that, 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 that reproving, defending, and pleading before they've done the learning and seeking. Y'all see that? I'm going to get them told, Doc. One preacher told me, he says, I went down the aisle and I told them off. I told them off good this Sunday. That's what this is about. And we even do it in ourselves. I spoke the truth in love. But did you seek justice? Think about your interactions with people. What outcomes are you seeking? When you go to talk to somebody, if you haven't sought justice first, you don't care about the outcome of your conversation. Am I helping anybody here? If I'm going to sit with, with Devin and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk, but I haven't learned to do good, and I haven't sought justice first, I don't care if he don't like what I got to say. Because it was never about that. It was all about me getting him together. It was the reproving. Because, watch, reproof without righteousness and without learning feels powerful to the immature. You, you feel like you, when you done told somebody, you get to throw your weight around, yeah. But that's not godly. God is like, hold on, I need you seeking justice. Like, when you go into this conversation, you should absolutely care about the condition of his heart and how he feels after the conversation. You should care whether or not he's closer to God when the conversation is over. I'm trying to get us, y'all, to a place where we're not the Isaiah 1 church. I want us to be to a place where every interaction, you are literally saying, after I get done talking to you, I don't want you damaged. I want you to be closer to God because you've been connected to me. Not because I'm good, but we're supposed to be carriers of his light. Remember, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But here's the hard statement. Jesus is not in the world. The Holy Ghost is in us in the world. So we're supposed to be the salt and light. And so when it comes to this text, y'all, don't reverse it. Make sure that we do it in order. Do good, seek justice, then we can do the correcting. Amen? 
Amen? All right. Now, the mandate we have to be clean, because it's, it's, it was a mandate. He, he, he says right there, wash yourselves, make yourself clean. Not you can, like, do this. That mandate to be clean, we need to see it as a mandate to be holy. There's another, that's another word I want you to put there for clean so we can understand it. Holy or sanctified. Be holy. Remember, he's told us that. Be ye holy. Why? Because I am. Be holy. Well, there's just some people who need to be told. That's not our responsibility. Be holy. Why? Because he is. Well, if, if, if somebody don't tell them, they're going to keep doing it. That's fine. Be holy. Am I supposed to be run over? Do you trust God? Be holy. See, at some point, you got to trust that God doesn't want you mishandled. And the very minute that we feel that we have to, have to deal with people because of what they've done for us, it ain't about us getting back at people. We're not trusting God. Amen. A part of trusting God is trusting him to be our defender. Y'all, that's that's, we got to get, Lord, I trust you to defend me. I trust you to take care of me. I trust that you're not going to let nothing happen to me. I trust that. How, how would I feel if every night I watch my children go to bed and, and they, they feel like they got to lock themselves up because dad won't take care of them? Many of us have kids. How would you feel if every night before your kids go to bed, you see them dragging baseball bats into their rooms, going to get kitchen knives? You're like, what you doing? Just in case. Somebody come in the house, we got to protect ourselves. Any man's man would be like, what's up with that? If anybody come in this house, right? Anybody who loves their kids, there's no way you're just going to randomly let anybody just do. So how much more than do you think God would take care of us? God knows the faults of people who don't like you. He knows what people are planning, even when they're smiling in your face. Faith, yes, in God is not simply faith in his ability to bless. It's not even just faith in his ability to deliver. But faith in God is faith also in his ability to protect, to cover. Let's, again, that's the whole gospel, y'all. That's the full gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I have faith in God. Many of us don't have faith in God. We have faith in an aspect of him. Faith in God. I have faith that you can heal. I have faith that you can deliver. I have faith that you can protect. I have faith. That's faith in God. And so now I can spend all of my time doing my job and letting him do his. I don't have to be concerned with whether or not God is going to take care of me because I have faith that he loves me. Please go back to John 3, for God so loved. If I give the only son I have, couple that with while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And if he'll do that, couple that with scarcely will a rich man die. 
right? Put all of these things together and you start figuring out, hold on, he didn't have to do nothing. He did it because he loves me. Let me get busy doing my job and stay out of his way. Does this make sense to anybody? All right, so we have a mandate to be clean or to be holy. Now, watch this. The mandate should bring tangible fruit. Write that down. The mandate should bring tangible fruit. Now, things are going to get a little funny here. Because, y'all, it's one thing when we go around talking about Jesus, I love you. It's another thing when you have a tangible fruit to what you declare. Tangible. Tangible. Let me, let me give it to you in, in three bullets. Number one, salvation should be tangible. Say tangible. Listen, when I start talking about something being tangible, able to be seen, able to be felt, able to be realized, tangible, salvation should be tangible. What do you mean? People around you should now see the results of the decision that you have made in your daily life. In other words, when you say you saved, we should be able to tell, not because you said you saved, but because of the things that you do in your daily life. You should do saved people things. Are y'all following what I'm saying? I'm saved. Good. I should tangibly see you doing saved people stuff. As much as we laugh about that, I bet you everybody in this room knows at least one person and maybe a whole handful of people who say they saved, who do unsaved things. And you know a tree by its what? Thank you. Salvation should be tangible. I want us to evaluate. Come on, y'all. Every time we're taught, we should evaluate. We should reflect. Do I do tangible saved people things? Not sometimes, consistently. I said, I am saved. Here, listen to the state, the difference in the statement. I'm saved. I'm saved. That's different than I do saved. Y'all see that slide? I do saved. If you say you do saved stuff, then I don't expect that you are. But watch this. I am black. Guess what ain't gonna change? Right? My father said, my father told somebody, he says, as you can see, I'm black and it's fairly permanent. <laughs> For those of you who don't know my father, that's just the way he is. He's fairly permanent. So how do we say we're saved, which is a statement of being, and then not be saved? Because for some of us, salvation is like a jacket. When the season changes, you take it off. But salvation should be tangible. Number two, transformation by the renewing of your mind should be tangible. So salvation should be tangible. People around you should see the results of the decisions that you have made. Daily life. Number two, transformation by the renewing of your mind should be tangible. Explain. If you say your mind has been renewed, you should be thinking differently. That sounds so simple. But I know a whole lot of people who've, who got books and books and books of notes who don't think no different than they did before they came to Jesus. We still trying to get a lick and a come up. Oh, it's going to get a little tighter here. You say you saved, you say you've been transformed, but you still got boosters. Come on, y'all, come on, don't, don't do that, don't do that. 
Don't do that. Transformation by the renewing of your mind should be tangible. Why are you still buying your stuff out of a trunk of a car? Don't do that to me. God, I, th I thought we were transformed. That's what we did before we were transformed. You know, when you show up after the store is closed, because you got a homeboy who worked there. And the radio, y'all, you're going to put a radio in your car. And the MSRP, if I bought it during work hours, was $400. But the for you price, after the store closed, slightly different. Y'all looking at me. See, that's what I'm saying. And the reason we get to look at like that is because some of us are still operating this way. Many in the church are still in the hookup mentality. And when we haven't been transformed by the renewing of our mind, watch this. We, oh, this is, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We actually treat God like God gonna give us the hookup. Watch, I'm gonna give you some hookup theology. God says for everybody that'll come up here and praise him right now, he gonna bless you for the next 30 days. That's a hookup mentality. Oh, see, I know. So you get a whole bunch of people, get out their seat, come to the front, dance real quick, and we think that that dance secures 30 days of good blessings. That's a hookup mentality. That has nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with relationship. That's an exchange. It's, a, it's an exchange. You mean to tell me all I got to do, right, is dance and for 30 days? I wonder if I come back on day 28 if I can extend it. Okay, I'll give you some more hookup. The Lord is saying that right now, according to Psalms 23 and 1, for everybody who will give $23.10, he's going to bless your next 300. That's a hookup mentality. You give because you're in love, not because you, you think, okay, okay, I'm going to take $23.10 and some 60, some 100-fold. And so if I want a 100-fold blessing, $23.10 multiplied by 100, that means that God now owes me $23,100. That'll work. That'll, cause that's a hookup mentality. And we teach that theology. So that means you end up with an entire church with hookup hearts. And now when you're in the midst of worship, worship isn't about love. Worship is about an exchange. Praise is about an exchange. Giving is about an exchange. It's not, Lord, I love you. Because let me tell you something. True generosity, true generosity is not about what can I get in return. That's not generosity. That's investment. Today at the coffee shop, I'm at the coffee shop. I'm sitting there at the coffee shop and... Uh, um, I'm on my way out, and, and y'all know me. Every coffee shop, they know my name. Bye, Robert. Have a good day. All right, y'all have a good day. And there was a guy, and he was coming up. And, and before I left, I, I asked him for a to-go cup, and I noticed the guy that was there, and I was like, uh, hey, what do you want? I don't know this dude. I don't know him. It was just on my heart. What do you want? He was like, and he was, you can tell he was taken back. I'm like, me? Yeah, what you want? A small cup of coffee. He's going to do a small cup of coffee on me. I paid for his coffee and walked off. Y'all don't understand. I didn't pay for his coffee and say, this coffee has been brought to you by Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that this cup of coffee is in your life is because the Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. None of that. I bought his coffee and walked off. That's generosity. 
Generosity. I'll be sitting at the coffee shop, you know, I'll be sitting at the coffee shop and, and one of the coffee shops I go to, somebody will come in and I say, it's my first time. I'll just look at the barista. He'll be like, all right, this one's been taken care of. And he knows, don't tell him it's me. He'll be like, what happened? Well, we have a, a customer who takes care of people normally when he, he just does it all the time. Because watch, I want a generous heart. I'm not trying to ball, I'm not, I'm not balling. His coffee was a dollar. It was a dollar. Here, I can do it. I can do a dollar to show somebody that the world is not crazy. Amen. Number three. The baptism of the Holy Ghost should be tangible. I know I'm keeping y'all over, but we'd be all right. The baptism of the Holy Ghost should be tangible. There should be a literal power that we see in our lives when we say we've been filled of the Holy Ghost. I know, I know. We've been told, I'm full of the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Like, we got a saying, I'm saved, sanctified, and full of the precious gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. But you mean! I'm saved, sanctified, full of the precious gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. I'm saved. I'm saved. But you're nasty. Like there should be something tangible. Acts 1.8 says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It does not say, I'm going to make some Pentecostals mad, you shall receive tongues after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I am 100%. I am a complete believer in speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, but teach it right. Stop telling people that if they have not spoken tongues, that they are not full of the Holy Ghost. Stop telling people that. When the Bible says you know a tree by its fruit, and nowhere in the fruit of the Spirit does it say tongues. Nowhere does it say, and the fruit of the Spirit is tongues, dancing, a good shout, and a dip. It don't say that. It says the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. That's fruit, right? Tongues, tongues is a product of a growing relationship with God. I can teach the necessity of tongues, but stop telling people they're going to hell because they don't speak in tongues. Now, got that off my chest. Are y'all with me? The Holy Ghost is supposed to be tangible. Tangible Holy Ghost is not tongues. Tangible Holy Ghost is power. That's tangible. How is it you keep getting whooped by the devil and you told everybody you full of the Holy Ghost? Every week you whooped by the devil again. The devil, the devil. That's all we hear from you. All, every week you done put up another post. The devil is busy. I thought you was full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Who the devil is wrecking me? He is wrecking shop. The devil, he is in my house. The devil, he on my job. The devil in my car. The devil is in my bathroom. The devil, the devil is everywhere. I mean, I, the devil was in my closet this morning. The devil, <laughs> the devil was in McDonald's. The devil is everywhere. But you full of the Holy Ghost. Hold on. So you mean to tell me that every day the Holy Ghost is punked by the devil in McDonald's? <laughs> the Holy Ghost is supposed to be tangible. If you're so full of the Holy Ghost, when you walk up, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the Bible, y'all. So we got to get to the point where we're tangible because when we're not tangible, we look hypocritical. 
Okay, I'm, I'm trying. When we're not tangible, we look hypocritical. You will kill the misinformation of the world about the church when we stop simply talking and we start doing. You want to kill the misinformation of, of the world that they have about the church? Start being tangible. If we truly wanted to wreck what they think the church is, start walking into the hospital. Since you say you called to heal, walk into the hospital and start healing random people. Get up. Yep. You, you healed. You said you called to do it. Yeah. If you called to be a prophet, it don't, it, it don't come on you. You're prophetic all the time. If you're called to the ministry of healing, you can heal all the time. All right. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we, how do, we do this? I, I need, I need you all to write down two texts for your independent study. Psalms 119.9 is the first one. Psalms 119.9, how will a young man keep his way clean? By guarding it according to the word. So we start talking about, because remember, our text, wash, make you clean. Well, how do I wash, Bishop? With the word. Psalms 119.9. How do I wash and make myself clean? With the word. As a matter of fact, for all my married couples out there, watch this. It tells a husband to wash his wife with the water of the word. So you want to know how to wash and make yourself clean? With the word, right? Matter of fact, in John 15, write this down, John 15, 1 through 3, the Lord Jesus tells his disciple, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. One through three. It's verse three is the key. You're already clean. Why? Because of the word. I've already washed you. So, so, so if you want to get to a place of I'm washed, I'm clean, you have to have a word regiment. Word. 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 Like turn the TV off sometime. Word. Like, I'm not coming against your show. I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny. Okay, watch your show. But your show can't be your God. How is it that you know the entire plot of every season of your show and can discuss it with authority and get mad at people when they disagree with what you say is going to happen in the next episode because you're a prophet? Let me tell you what's about to happen. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what Cookie about to do with her flat. Let me tell you what's about to happen. See, y'all looking at me. I'm telling you, the reason that Cookie kept that last flat, because, you know, Cookie knew that Lucius was going to leave her. So what Cookie did is Cookie went out and bought her another piece of property just in case, because y'all know Lucius crazy. And so, so you know all of that, but can't tell me why Adam, y'all never mind. <laughs> You know about Power and Star and all of them other crazy shows that all come on. They all make me tired. <laughs> all right, let me pray. Lord, thanks. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a way to wash. You could have just kept us dirty. But you gave us your word so that we can get clean. I thank you and honor you for that. 
Now, God, give us strength to put it to practice. In your name, amen. God bless you. You have just listened to part 7.5 of the Marketplace Movement Podcast, the Come Clean series. There is still so much more training to go. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and visit our website, themarketplacemovement.org. We invite you to worship with us at 3300 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, where you can catch us on Periscope every Sunday at 1015 Eastern Standard Time. Remember, the Lord is, and we hope to see you soon at the Marketplace, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives.